17. Altmaier steps up, drives the ball, and it is intercepted. JT Woods again. That is his second of the night. He attacked the ball and snatched it. What's up, everybody? It's uh, the beginning of the new year. I got I got my uh, man, Mo Murphy, with me. Second day in a row I get to do a show with Mo, which is pretty awesome. Uh, we're both in a pretty good mood. We'll talk about why here in a few minutes. But uh, we're here to uh, talk about the New Year's Six college football reaction. What's up, everybody? Um, like I said, this is this is a show about uh, just kind of gut reactions, feelings. Did we learn anything from the New Year's Six Bulls? That you know, which of them mattered? Players, just uh, you know, kind of a kind of let's kind of just like a uh, imagine sitting at the bar, kind of having a chat about college football this morning with uh, Mo Murphy from Up in Flames. Mo, how are you? I'm I'm great, Jeff. You know, we'll get into. It. I feel great. <laughs> positive out aspect of, of our team, so. You know, I feel great. And it was some good games, especially yesterday. Yeah. All, most of the bowl games were pretty good. So, yeah, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I um, I haven't been able to watch them like I typically do in the season just because of work. And and it's weird when they're when New Year's Day is on the weekend, it kind of spreads the bowl games out to the week. And so they're just yeah, it's one of those things like, wait, you'll just wake up and go, wait a minute. What? There's a bowl happened like I kind of missed it. So um, overall, not a bad bowl season. Um, we'll talk about some of the. Comments, uh, quote unquote controversies, you know, topics, and then we're going to go through. We're going to kind of go through the main games here, and then we'll take a general overview. Honestly, just because I don't think we have time to break down like whatever it was, forty bowl games or whatever. Um, but it was uh, pretty fun. We may, we'll we'll talk about a couple extras uh, that some big teams played, but um, you know, overall. We'll try to stick so uh, to the New Year's Six. So uh, sorry, everybody. We're uh, scrambling this morning. Got a lot of stats over here and everything. But uh, but believe me, the the, the momentum will pick up. Um, uh, first of all, I don't know. I don't know how much you got to watch of it. The Peach Bowl. Uh, it's you know it's one of the big games now. It's part of the playoff series. Not this year, but whatever. So uh, it was Thursday night. It was a weird night. It didn't bother me. There was no NFL on Thursday night. The game was on. We were kind of out and about. Uh, you know, pick it opted out of the game, which, you know, we'll probably have an opt out discussion here in a few minutes. Um, so Michigan state gets in a big bowl game after they had a weird, like, we don't know if they're good season. So basically I'm just going to ask you, I don't know whether how much you watched or replays or whatever. Did you learn anything from Michigan state Pittsburgh Thursday night? Oh, by the way, Michigan state won 31, 21. Yeah. So I watched that whole game. Like you said, no Thursday night football. Um, I had money on that game anyway, so I definitely had to watch it. <laughs> But um, I don't. I don't want to say I learned anything. Uh, 
Michigan State had fight. They were the better team. You take away a team starting quarterback, you should be the better team, especially when you think about fully healthy. It could have been evenly matched. You took away Kenny Pickett. I mean, I didn't expect much from Pitt anyway. Michigan State started off slow, really didn't play great the whole game, but you also took away their biggest aspect of their offense in Kenneth Walker. He, he decided right. not to play either. Uh, like you said, I'm sure we'll get into opt-outs in a second. Yeah, I, we, we would definitely will. But, um, you know, I, I won't say I learned anything. I mean, that was pretty much the Michigan State team that we've seen all year, and they benefited from – we lost our running back, but we're playing against, you know, the team's backup quarterback. And even – you know, I'm sure we'll get into that, but you saw it with Ole Miss, you know, in their backup quarterback situation. So it's it's just one of those, like, I don't know. I didn't know what to expect from that game. Like, I felt like – Pitt was more behind when missing Kenny Pickett than Kenneth Walker. At least you have your starting quarterback. At least you had your receivers. You had all your veterans. But as far as if I say what I learned from Michigan State is they were a team that flashed really well this year based on circumstance. They had a they took advantage of the transfer portal. They took advantage of the, of the extra year. They had a lot of five and six year guys. They had a lot of transfers. Mel Tucker did what he was supposed to do. Whether you hate, love or hate the transfer portal, if you're Michigan State, you benefited from it big time because right. uh, that was half their team was transferred. Kenneth Walker was a transfer. Like Some of your best players were transfers, five- and six-year guys because of the COVID and the extra year. So, I mean, I guess we'll have to see. I think Mel Tucker, he got that deal. He's back to the drawing board because now you got to recruit. Now you got to build that team back up or yeah. take advantage of the transfer portal once again or else you're going to be – two or three steps behind, even possibly Michigan, obviously Ohio State. You're going to be right in that mix with Iowa and Wisconsin, like you pretty much are every year. So I think this was just a flash, but I don't think it's like positivity for Michigan State to actually have a chance of really winning the Big Ten consistently just because, I mean, five- and six-year guys, a lot of veterans that took advantage of the transfer portal. You're not going to win the way Michigan State won in the transfer portal every year from here on out. That's not – not when you're missing so much talent, you were able to take advantage, but I just don't think this is like, uh oh, Michigan State is here to come. Like they're here to stay. I don't think so. Like and yeah, I, Kenny, no Kenny Pickett. I didn't expect it, Yeah, exactly. And that was a tough one. I watched this game out of the side of my eye, you know, as we were doing some other things. And uh my takeaway was um it's this is one of those games to where if you're an outsider of either team, it was it come off as kind of boring, kind of uneventful, yeah. as opposed to, I don't know if you got to watch the uh, Purdue-Tennessee game yeah, I watched uh, that. leading up to that. That, 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 that got crazy. You know, that, and was that, was, that, that was just fun and a great game, and the SEC and the Big Ten folks got to argue and blah, blah, blah. That, that was more fun to watch. The Michigan State, you know, Pitt game, like everybody knew how it was going to go. I was, I was impressed with Pitt jumping out early, but when I watch Pitt, just like most ACC teams, if I'm being honest, they don't do anything that I'm like, okay, that's that that's different. They they just kind of look, they just kind of do their job and look normal. Michigan State's kind of the same way. So, you know, my takeaway was like great season by Michigan State. Um, you know, Mel Tucker, that, that's as good a coach as you're going to get up there right now. You know, when now that you're battling High State, Michigan, Indiana, and all these other teams with good coaches. But um, so uh, yeah, that was my takeaway. I was like, good, good for them. But I want here's a follow up question I want to ask you, and we're kind of asking about all these. I'm a I'm a huge, 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 especially after this bowl season, proponent of expanding the playoffs, getting more teams in. And I know this first round would have been home games with the playoffs and everything. Michigan is a number ten team coming into this, and they win, so they're going to finish the season ten or nine. Maybe they might move up a spot. There's not a lot of teams to jump. Um, 
I, we'll talk about Utah in a minute. I don't think Michigan State's better than Utah, but they could jump them, whatever. But my question is, if Michigan State's the 10th team in the country, did, did they have any shot in, a, in an open playoff format if we had it this year? I mean, that's the argument that the other side gives me. To win the national championship? To, to even like matter, to even be competitive. Do they? Yeah. I, I'll just say I'll say it in a more cruel way. Did they? Would they deserve a playoff spot if there was twelve teams in the playoffs? Yes. Yeah. I, I would. So. Say, I would say they deserve a playoff spot if there were twelve teams. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If yeah, it goes I, to twelve, you look at their wins. You look at their losses. Yeah, they got murdered by Ohio State, but that was a bad matchup for them anyway. The worst secondary versus the best passing offense in the country. Bad matchup. Period. Like you, you put the best quarterback or one of the best quarterbacks, one of the best offenses. Against the best or worst secondary, boom, take advantage of it. But, but then here's here's what the other side here's what the other side says, Mo. Like we saw Ohio State can't stop a nosebleed, and if Michigan State can't even score on them, what what do they do if they have to go to Tuscaloosa and play Alabama? That's what I'm just. That's what the other side's going to ask you. I and I get that, but first off, Ohio State couldn't stop a nosebleed. We'll use them for example. Twenty four scholarship players didn't play. Majority of them on defense. That, no, I'm saying through the year, though, they couldn't. I'm being honest with you. Bro. Yeah, like, okay. So, but even still, I mean, I'm saying when Michigan, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying when Michigan State played Ohio State, mm-hmm. at, at that point, Ohio State wasn't any good on defense and Michigan State yeah. couldn't score. So, what do they do if they go to Alabama or Georgia for that? It's going to be a home playoff game. Like, that, that's what the other side's going to tell you. Like, what does Michigan State deserve that shot? That's all I'm asking. I think I still think so just because, I mean, you tell me Cincinnati deserved it. You tell me Michigan deserved it, right? And they got absolutely pummeled. So either A, get, if you don't think 12 teams deserve it, four teams don't deserve it year in and year out. We've seen Clemson get blown out by Ohio State. We've seen our beloved Ohio State get blown out of playoff games. We see Oklahoma get blown out of playoff games. So if you don't think the four teams deserve it, then either why expand it or just go back to BCS? Because to me, for people not wanting to expand the playoffs, they go back to BCS because we see teams get yeah. murdered, whether you think they deserve it or not. And nobody's going to tell me Michigan didn't deserve to get in. Like I totally they, agree. They a playoff team. So therefore, if you if you're opposed to it, then you want to see the BCS because if you're tired of blowouts, teams get blown out with four. When you put the four best teams in the country, they get blown out. So what yeah. do you? And I, I don't thing is expand the playoffs because make the bowl games matter then you yes. don't have 24 scholarship players not playing for ohio state you don't have utah moving a running back to corner mm-hmm. you don't have kenneth walker not playing kenny pickett not playing you don't be as upset about old miss and matt corral getting hurt playing in that game it's not yeah. as bad because you're you're competing for a championship at the end of the day yeah. every playoff format in every other sport the College World Series, the NCAA basketball, they have the four teams. Yeah. I know football is a little bit different, and it is, but even still, like if you don't give these guys a shot, and I'm I'm big on it changes recruiting. Less guys yeah, might go to Ohio State and go to Michigan State because the they have a shot. But that's why Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, other than this past year, but that's why they've ran recruiting in Oklahoma and Oregon kind of ran recruiting because maybe if we could make a difference at Oregon, we could get in the playoffs mm-hmm. coming out of the Pac-12. That's why they run recruiting so much because they actually have a shot. And then you have like AM, Ole Miss does a pretty good job at recruiting because they know if they could get over that hump, get good enough to beat Alabama, they have a shot at the playoffs. How many teams in the Big Ten have a shot at the playoffs every year? One for sure. And maybe if somebody – Usually two. State. Right. 
And that's maybe somebody can beat Ohio State. So I need recruiting. That's what I'm big on. And that's fair too. I I just I'm playing devil's advocate because I agree with everything you say. You know that, but I I don't want to have a show to where me and you are just like expand the playoffs and move on. I'm just ask. I'm asking the questions that I get because my argument's always okay. Well, I'm with you. Here's your choice: we can expand the playoffs like a normal sport would do, or we can go back to the '60s when the president of the United States was like, you know, Arkansas is the champion, like. You know what I mean? Like, pick one or the other. We can't have this in between anymore. I totally agree. Michigan State. I would love to see Michigan State travel to Oregon or or, or whatever and play the game. Or fat out. You know, the Rose Bowl is a, is a playoff game and all that. So I agree. I just we're going to get to the conversation. Yeah. Well, and I'll kind of ask it about every team here. But Michigan State was the one that they're the highest ranked team that didn't look good but we'll i'll ask that question here in a minute so we're trying to we'll go through the but by the way the purdue tennessee game was fire it had it had the the big 10 versus the sec which we'll talk about here in a minute it had that argument lit up Uh, and it was the epitome of non-normal big 10 or sec football right it was perfect it it was a perfect storm like it wasn't a defensive team it was high scoring two bad defenses and two pretty good offenses showcasing a high scoring game like you can't in a bowl game, you can't want anything more than that. Like if yeah. we're we're to me, you know, I love offense, I love scoring. We're past the seeing the nine to six and the thirteen to tens. Like nobody wants to watch those. You want to watch those forty eight to forty five down to the wire, touchdown after touchdown. After, like that's what excites me. The whole yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a defensive guy and they played great. Like no, I want pick sixes to the house. <laughs> like, I don't want in yeah. the trenches. Like that Cincinnati Alabama game was boring to me. Like. Bama played it very simple. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Hold up. Hold up. Um, okay. I, I, no, no, it's great. I love it. I, I told everybody that I knew the moment the momentum would be pick up and the, the passion would start coming out. So the the next game, we're skipping the playoff games. We're going to do them last because I honestly, I think they deserve that. And then we'll, we can do a little playoff preview. So we're going to jump to the next uh, New Year's Six Bowl, which would have been about noon yesterday or noon Saturday, if you're listening to this later. Um, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State versus Notre Dame. Um, this was weird. It was a Fiesta Bowl, uh, you know, Notre Dame jumps out. And again, I watch these games. And of course, you know, me and you being podcasters and part of the network and everything, we, we, we keep our finger on the pulse of like Twitter. Cause we want to know how the fans are watching. We want to know the, the, the momentum of the game, the comments we like to interact. So I'm sure you watch the games just like I do with one eye on, you know, social media and then one eye on a game. And this was one of them. Here's okay. We're both Ohio state fans. Here's something I got to say. It's, I think, in the first quarter of this game. Let me look at the box score here. I'm pretty sure Notre Dame, I think they were up, I don't know, it was maybe 21 to seven at one point. They, mm-hmm. Notre Dame jumped out early, I think 14 to nothing. Looked great. All of a sudden, so if anybody doesn't know outside of Ohio State, Ohio State uh, a few weeks ago hired Oklahoma State's defensive coordinator and he left Oklahoma State. Now he's going to work for Ohio State. Dearly needed. We hope it works out, uh, Knowles. But anyway, so as soon as Notre Dame jumps out of Oklahoma State, people start going in on Ohio State because Oklahoma State's former defensive coordinator works for them now. And I'm like, you can't tell me, like all these people argue with me, you cannot tell me that Ohio State doesn't move the dial of college football when fans watching Oklahoma State versus Notre Dame are going in on Ohio State for a guy that (laughs) hasn't even coached a game for him yet. That was ridiculous. Did you see any of that? Yeah, I saw some of it because it was like, you know, this they, your they, man, right? They have to get at Ohio State, like you know. So it was, yeah. And then it, I was a little concerned, but he didn't coach that game, did he? 
No, he hasn't been there in like three weeks. Well, he didn't coach that game, so and, it's like. And let's get to the other side of it. Guess who didn't score in the second half? Notre Dame, <laughs> I believe, yeah. right? Oh, they, they scored late. They scored late. They, I'm sorry. They got outscored. They got outscored what thirty to zero. Yeah. Until they finally scored late when it didn't really matter, but they got yeah. outscored thirty to zero. That was, so, that was terrible. Yeah. So like you know you had the you know Oklahoma State had 371 passing yards. Notre Dame had 509 passing yards on this defense that was one of the best. I think it was the best in the in the Big Twelve. If not, it was Iowa State. Just things like that. Um, 234 rushing yards for Oklahoma State against Notre Dame. Uh, who has a defensive coach now? Uh, Marcus Freeman's first game. Shout out to Marcus Freeman. Love him. Former Buckeye. Loved him as a player. I'm happy for him. I hope that we beat him by 100 next year. Uh, Notre Dame only. Uh, now, Notre Dame, the vaunted, toughest, blah, blah, blah. You know, they push you around. That's their game. 42 yards rushing against a Big 12 team. So this is one of those games that nothing lined up. N- nothing happened that you thought would happen. It wound up being kind of a shootout. It was a fun game, but now I'll ask you the question. Did you learn anything from this game, especially being a high State, you know, Buckeye? With that, our first game next year is this Notre Dame team. Uh, did you learn anything from Oklahoma State versus Notre Dame? Uh, I don't know, because going into this game, it was weird, right? Because, like, Oklahoma State is a Big 12 team, and we're used to big. The Big 12 was all type of weird this year because there were multiple mm. very good defensive teams, and defense and Big 12 don't even line up, match up. Yeah, no. Baylor, Oklahoma State. So uh, it kind of went back to how you expect a Big 12 game to go. A lot yeah. of a lot of points scored, take advantage, but then seeing Notre Dame when you know play and almost looked like they were going to win the game in the air. Jack Cohn played absolutely amazing. I didn't even know he had that in him. You know, there's a former Wisconsin quarterback. We've seen him play there. Let me hold on. I guess since you brought up Jack Cohn, can I give you the stat line? I don't yeah. I don't think you understand. Like, I bet nobody realizes what happened. <laughs> 38 for 68, 509 yards and five touchdowns. This dude threw 68 passes he was, for Notre Dame. He played terrible in the second half. Because he had, like, in the first half, he had almost, like, a 65% completion percentage. Like, he was playing. Like, I was like, man, Jack Cole had three touchdowns already. I'm like, <laughs> Jack Cole's playing amazing. And, you know, we've seen him for a few years at Wisconsin. So, and you're not used to Notre Dame, really. That's not the traditional. Like you no. said, it's push him around, play bully ball, you know, win in the trenches and, and not high scoring necessarily. Uh, Notre Dame could put up. Typically, they get to that 30-point range, but their opponent doesn't. Um, and that's just how they play football. So, and then for Sanders, you know, the Oklahoma State quarterback, for him to finally get rolling, like once he started rolling, it was over. And I don't understand what Notre Dame did. Like when you watch it, you still don't understand. I don't know. Why did you go away from what's working? You got a big lead and now you want to run the ball. Like that made no sense. And then you try and get Cone revved back up again. And it's like, it's too late. Oklahoma State has all the momentum right now. It's a bowl game. What are you like preserving to win the game for? When they when they went into halftime, twenty eight to fourteen, should have came out firing on all cylinders once again, throwing the ball. And it's like at one point they went away from that, and that's when Oklahoma State, you know, took advantage, took the momentum. Once a team has momentum, it's tough to get it back. When you have it and lose it, it's tough to get it back. And that's what happened. These bowl games are so long, too. There's so much time. We'll talk about that, especially in the high State game. You have so much extra time with commercials, and the timeouts are longer. There's more reviews. There's there's more fake injuries and real injuries. And it, it just – these games 
are for it is literally like I've ta- I've I've talked to but like I've listened to coaches over the years it is almost in these big bowl games like you have an extra quarter of football like they stretch out that much and that's why you get these fantastic games where it feels like the clock never stops um my takeaway isn't much they had fun you know, I I, I always like to see Notre Dame lose. Like when it was all said and done, I'm like, ah, at least Notre Dame lost. It was a pretty good weekend for high state fans as far as for us and our hated teams. <laughs> uh, I, I won't lie. It's, it wasn't a bad weekend for us. But, um, you know, whatever for Oklahoma State. And here's the thing, though. You know, the next question is, and I'll answer it first, the takeaway going into next year, I don't think there was a lot. Uh, Oklahoma State is going to be a completely different team without their defense coordinator and without uh, Sanders and all that. I don't think Sanders is coming back. I, a lot of, like, this is a, really important about college football next year. A lot of these kids, like uh, Clifford for Penn State, can come back for a, that free year they got from the COVID year last year. So, just because you see that a player is even a five-year player doesn't mean he's necessarily leaving your team. So that that's going to be really weird next year. You have a lot of six-year players come back. Um, I didn't take a lot away from it. It was just kind of like, you know, I, I was I just got finished with See You Sunday. I'm kind of hungover, have a mimosa, ate some sausage gravy, and, and watched and watched a game. I, not a lot of takeaway. Now I don't. I I missed it. They're um, I can't believe I can't remember his last name. Kyle, the 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 safety, their best. Playing defense, he he sat out, right? Yeah, he sat out. And which I call it, just so everybody knows, when everybody says a player opted out, I always just say they quit because that's what they did. I mean, if you stop, because here's and here's my argument: nobody ever says I opted out of my job. We've had this conversation. Like now, I opted out. Of, I opted out of my job. I'm never going back. Like, what you quit? Like I'm not. It doesn't have to be a negative connotation. But Hamilton's not coming back and playing anymore. Um, so you kind of so, steered into that conversation. Like we'll be back. We'll be back. <laughs> no, every game had every game had a big every game had a big opt out in it, and then we're going to have an, a general conversation about it here in a minute. But I know me and Mo Murphy, and that's another hour show. It'd be a good show, but I know that we could go an hour on the opt outs and uh, what a jackass Kirk Herbstreet is, and things like that. Just things like that, like just random <laughs> stuff like that. So uh, then we'll go. Uh, let's see, what's the next one here? I lost it. The next one would have been the Rose Bowl next. Yeah, hit on Iowa and Kentucky. Do we want to do we, Okay, let's do this before we get to the Rose Bowl because me and Mo will definitely have some fun with that, like for sure. Um, let's just kind of discuss. Let's discuss these other bowl games. So we had, sorry guys, I'm going through stats here. I don't have a producer yet. Uh, feel free to uh, Venmo me if uh, you want to help me hire one. So yeah, so we also had, you have your classic. Uh, New Year's Day is always a lot of uh, Big Ten SEC matchups, and th- and those are big for for both sides of it. Mo's lived in SEC country; he's a fan of a Big Ten team. I don't think he's a fan of the Big Ten. But he's a fan of a Big Ten team. I'm a fan of a Big Ten team. I hate the Big Ten, but I live in Big Ten country, so I hear it. Um, yeah, that's just where we stand with this. You you won't hear me. You won't hear me pound the pound the table for Purdue. I can just tell you that right now. Almost actually, almost got. Yeah. Almost got in a fist fight about it the other day. It's kind of funny. Um, yeah, I hate the SEC though. Like I absolutely hate the SEC. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And 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 you live there, so we'll we'll kind of get into that. So um, let me get down here. Jeez, I'm almost there. So uh, before we get to the Sugar Bowl last night, which for different reasons was I honestly was kind of a complete dud, especially coming off one of the greatest bowl games anybody's ever watched. Um, Kentucky played Iowa. Uh, Kentucky beats Iowa 20 to 17. This is a Kentucky team that at one point in the year was, I believe they were top 15 team. I'm not sure. Yeah, and under- I forget who, I forget who they ran into. Was it, uh, it was either Georgia or Alabama that kind of put Georgia. them back. 
Yep. Um, and then Arkansas in the uh, Outback Bowl, the famous Outback Bowl, which is uh, always uh, always SEC Big Ten. It's always kind of like the. It depends on how the season goes, but it's always kind of you know first or second or third team in the Big Ten versus so Arkansas, which had a great season. Shout out to Arkansas. That's another. Another team that hopefully got the coach right. We're way better than people thought. A nine and four season and a and a bowl win over Penn State is a big is a big season for Arkansas. So shout out to Arkansas and our buddy Stephen Gillespie. Um, I'm sure he enjoyed that. Uh, they beat Penn State, a Penn State team that came into the season. We might have a Penn State discussion here because they had they might have had the most disappointing season of of the projected good teams in college football. Uh, seven and six. Lost every big game. It just never, never got things right. All they did in this game was score 10 points in the second quarter with a fifth year starting quarterback. I'm sorry, Sean Clifford's coming back for his sixth year. If you're Franklin, did you ask him to? I'm just, <laughs> um, yeah. so, and then Iowa, who again started the season on a roll, you know, it lo- looked really good. And then they lose some bad games in the middle. And then they worked their way back up to 15, and then they get beat by a, a Kentucky team that we you know talk about. They got beat 20 to 17 in a decent game. That's a team to where I didn't like. I didn't watch that game and think Iowa looked like the 15th, 15th team in the country. Like, but these bowl games are weird. So, uh, did you? What did you think of either one of these games as a, as an SEC hater? <laughs> well, I, so watching the Iowa Kentucky game, it was pretty much watching the same team in a different conference. Like Iowa, <laughs> the way they played. Um, the the philosophy of how they win, it's the same. Win in the mm-hmm. trenches, you play big boy football. Um, and you see in Kentucky jump out early. Iowa takes the lead. Iowa messed up by not capitalizing when they kept getting the ball back. So they kept giving Kentucky a chance to come back and win the game. Like you're up 17-14 and you keep giving Kentucky a chance. You keep giving the ball back with six minutes left. You gave them three opportunities, three different opportunities to have a drive and, and score a touchdown. And that's exactly what, you know, Kentucky did. And I was still almost came down uh, and almost tied it up. But still, like when you have the momentum and you take it, you got to keep it. And so you just kept giving you kept letting Kentucky hang around. You kept letting them hang around. Couldn't get that first down on third and one. I think it was to me bad play calls every time. Like they knew what you were doing. Shake it up a little bit. Like and I get on third and one people be afraid to pass. But like, obviously, they know the run's coming because you've been running it down their neck the whole second half. Shake it up. Run pass option. Little dump pass. Tight end, little seam, two yards, boom, dump pass, first down, keep it moving. Like um, every other team in America. It, it, it's so like you watch Ohio State do that. How many times swing a guy in motion, fake it to the running back, roll out, boom. You're you're my safety valve. If if nobody's open down the field, when I look, boom, I'm gonna just dump it to you. You get a few yards. A few yards is better than no yards or negative yards. So I think those are very similar teams. I really think Arkansas and Penn State are very similar teams too. But Penn State had a couple players not play. I don't know if that makes the difference in winning that game, but like they couldn't stretch the ball down the field. Dotson didn't play. Like that made a big difference for Penn State. Okay, so all down the field with him not playing. All right, let's let's. Uh, since I hate Penn State and I think they're uh, they were giantly overrated this year, I and that here's and here's something else I don't like about Penn State: the teams that beat Penn State early in the year got credit for beating Penn State earlier in the year, and by the time they get to the end of the year. Like, I, I don't like how college football does that. Like, they'll get credit. Like, you know, uh, 
whoever beat Penn State when they're ranked gets credit for a ranked team. Penn State's not a ranked team. They're a terrible team this year. They couldn't score. Uh, you know, like you said, the, their one you know big player sits out. But here's what I, here's my problem with Penn State. We've been told. I mean, you hear it all the time, though. Like, you know, Ohio, or Penn State, a high state game will be close or whatever. And all you hear is like Penn State's coming. They're the second best team. They've jumped Michigan for years. The second best team. Like they're they're on the precipice. They can win a championship. Okay, so you lose one receiver now. You don't have any receivers. Like that's like if you you can't tell me you're a national championship caliber team and you got no depth at receiver. Yeah. Like receivers are everywhere. You got I mean every team should have ten receivers because of just the way the the game is played now. You can't have one receiver like run the whole team. It doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, look what we saw High State do. Look what we saw. I mean, a lot of teams. It, it, look what Alabama. Alabama's in that championship game. Their second best receiver, maybe their best receiver, however you look at it, isn't even playing. You know yeah. what I mean? So, like, I'm just this this pass that Penn State gets for like every, they'll come in the next year. It'll be the same thing. They'll be probably a top twelve team. You know, they'll have a six year quarterback. Blah blah blah. It'll be the same thing. They get all this credit, like, oh, it's the program, the recruiting. Well, I see the recruiting classes, like, put them. They're, they're not on the field. Like, I'm just saying, I think Penn State was was one of the biggest frauds in college football this year. So, so let me ask you this then about Penn State, and I'm sure you'd love to answer this question. James Franklin got the extension. Is he on the hot seat over these next three years? And here's why I say that. You look at Penn State. I think their problem has been like they've had talent here and there, everywhere but they've never had the quarterback situation. He's mm-hmm. got a top five quarterback recruit coming in. Was therefore means he might not be ready his freshman year, but his sophomore, junior year should be like go time. This is when you're going to get the best of me head into the NFL. You know, typically these five stars, if they don't start as freshman or sophomore, junior years, you get absolutely amazing seasons from them. If Franklin can't have any type of real success and that's, Playing, beating Ohio State, playing in a Big Ten championship, ultimately winning a Big Ten chip with a five-star quarterback, the first one that he'll have under his regime at Penn State. By the by, the time that guy leaves, do you start looking at James Franklin like maybe this was a bad contract extension? If he doesn't get the job done, like I know it looks great in Penn State, like they have a ceiling, but now you got a guy that could get you over the hump. Five-star quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the country coming out. Like, he should be able to get you over the hump. A great quarterback can cover up a lot of things. Yeah. So, is it now that is it now he should be in the hot seat? Like, over these next couple of years, you want to see what he does with this quarterback. And if he has no yes. type of success, it, he, it's a bad contract, right? Like, I, I, think, I think he should have been there the last two years, honestly, because of all this. Because, you know, it's – I'm, I'm – Man, they lost six games, dude. In college football, you lose six games as a program that has top ten recruiting. That is rough. Like, um, I think he should be. I think he's actually what I think about Franklin. For some reason, what what um what I hear is like if you get in the room with James Franklin, you want to hire him. Like he is he is he interviews well. He he says everything right. He's just one of those guys. He's like that guy from Minnesota, uh, Fleck. You know, he's just one of those guys that everybody just buys in. The results don't seem to matter as much. The scrutiny doesn't seem to matter as much. I think Franklin will be the next big coach to actually leave a team for a different position. I really thought it was going to be this year. I am shocked that he didn't. Maybe he didn't get offered the USC job. I thought he would, you know, maybe go out there. But I don't uh, I don't think he's a long-term answer because here's what I don't like about it. Is he's the guy that like after every game, and especially if uh, it's a loss or a victory, when he talks, he acts like, like ah, I was almost there, like you know, it, like it's a blip. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
so he acts like each loss is its own thing. But then when you look at the, like if you had an interview with him, like, okay, you lost six games, explain this. Then it's a different conversation we're having. Uh, if he doesn't beat Auburn this year, actually, I think, if, and he go and then, yeah, that would change your whole season. You have all this. I think he probably, probably gets fired, but Penn state's weird about this stuff. They're one of these, like they latch onto these guys and they, they dig in on their, these coaches and they, they give them a long leash and they're, they're kind of comfortable and they, they think they're almost there. And to me, that kills a program. You know, I'm already with Ryan day. Like I told my wife this last night, here's what I said after the game. I like Ryan day. I like everything he does. I like the way he talks, I like the way he acts. He's just my kind of person. But, and I said, I hope he's a good football coach because I don't know if we know that yet. Um, and I'm being honest like that because too many of these programs, like you got, you got LSU. We saw him do it with less miles, man. He, he, he played the part. He, he did everything right. And you're like, but is he a good football coach? And we saw just, 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 you know, did they took a tiny step back every year. And then all of a sudden you've got a program that's like, oh shit, like what happened? You know what I mean? So like, you can't, these big programs though, don't let it get to that. You see what LSU just did. Like, they're like, yeah. nah, nah, we, you know, thanks for the national title, but this, we can't keep doing this. And I think Penn state, they they're dug in and they're let, they're going to let this drag out. And, you know, they, I mean, there are. what were they this year? I mean, we call them the fifth or sixth best team in the Big Ten, maybe. And I mean, actual best team. Like, if they played a tournament, they might be sixth. So, yeah. you're, you know, you. I mean, I, I just don't think that's acceptable for Penn State. And I think uh, I, the, there's a flaw with Franklin. And, yeah, I believe he's somewhere else in the next couple of years. And somebody's going to step into Penn State and get a really good quarterback. Or that really good quarterback's going to be playing for somebody else because now with the transfer portal, nothing is guaranteed now. Like, absolutely yeah, nothing is guaranteed now. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll talk about next was the we'll, – we'll go ahead and get through the late game. Let's go ahead and get through the Sugar Bowl. Uh, it was the – it was the – I don't know. What do you want to call it? The most boring of the games that came after a great Rose Bowl. Everybody, it was kind of a nightcap. Uh you know, Baylor beats Ole Miss 21-7. Credit to Baylor. Number seven Baylor. Um, they they got the win. They got a it's a it's a New Year's six win. They had a great season. I thought they were a really good team. It, it was kind of a boring game. It, Baylor plays defense. Matt Corral gets hurt very, very early in the game, which com- obviously completely changes Old Miss. I mean, you talk about possibly possibly we're talking about a one of the first three quarterbacks picked in the NFL draft, and then now he's out. That's a big blow for a team. You can't co- overcome that. Um, so uh, I'll ask you what you thought of the game, and then I'll ask you if Baylor, if if, if both these teams should have had a shot at the playoffs. So first of all, just what's your take? Would you learn anything from this game? I mean, my biggest takeaway was this is why I feel the way I feel about opt-outs. The minute I watched Matt Corral go down, I was like, this is why I'm not mad at guys because – the, the college football did this like college football made these games not matter. So this is why I'm not mad about these guys feeling that way. Like you expand the playoffs or go back to BCS. The sugar bowl would have been big 12 versus sec. Mm. That was essentially like, unless you were one of the two teams playing for a national championship, you played to play in the sugar bowl. Like the sec yeah. winner was playing in the sugar bowl, unless they were a top two team, then they playing for a national championship, different conversation. The team that probably, you know, uh, the second best team in the SEC ends up in that game. But that was like a fully successful season. Like it wasn't all about playoffs or bust, national championship or bust. Like the game, the, the Rose Bowl would have been the same way. Like you as a Big Ten team, if you weren't going to be one of the top two teams, you in the Pac-12, y'all played. The ultimate goal was to win that Rose Bowl at the end and put the Rose mm-hmm. in. Your house. Like that was the so this is but that game, Matt Corral getting hurt. I don't know what it was. I think it was his ankle. He had a shoe off. Some were saying it might have been. It, 
but he comes out with his shoe off. So yeah, it sounds I, like it's his ankle. I don't think he broke it. Hopefully, it's, you know, hopefully it's the best case scenario for whatever yeah. injury he had. But that, that that was my takeaway from that is like this is why I'm not. I would not. I don't get mad when players opt out, especially these day one and day two guys. These yeah. first through third round picks, the guys that are probably really going to make an impact in the league. Don't have to work like their draft stock doesn't change whether they play this game or not. Matt Corral could have played great and you wouldn't have looked at him any different. No, like, there's nothing he could have done. to. And so he went out there to play for the love of, of the school and, and salute to him. But it was also a bad decision because he could have threw for 10 touchdowns and you yeah. would not look how, how you view him at all. The scouts are waiting to watch him get, yep. get him to the film room. They're waiting to watch him at the combine. They don't care what you did in that yeah, game. They, they want him to go through. They want him to go through yeah. reads and progressions. The they don't yeah. care about what you do against Baylor in the sugar bowl. Yeah, so this, that's why I'm so heavy on opt outs because if it's the worst case scenario for his ankle, like he might not be ready to throw in the combine to rip. So he might have hurt his draft stock. Like now yeah. he might not go in the first round. Like if he's not ready to go, he can't really show you on the field pre-draft. Do you feel comfortable taking him in the first round? Have you seen enough from right. him in the first or to take him in the first round when we already say this is a weak quarterback class? So that's what I got from that game is that prime example, anybody who's with me and, and feels like opt outs, they're with, Four opt-outs, that's why, because we say I'm not upset. Because had, had Wilson and Olave, had they played, Wilson goes out there and tears his ACL. Now his future is in jeopardy. His family's future is in jeopardy because he played in a meaningless Rose Bowl game. Whether we won or lost, did it really matter? No, right. it didn't. For the sake of us and our love for our team, yes, it did. But in the overall well, picture, nobody really cared. Yeah, and and to, and to your point, I'm with you on 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 all that. Um, and and I want to be clear, I'm not, I am not saying that Corral should have opted out. Like, I'm not, I'm not so far that I'm like, don't. I'm saying that if you do, like, I totally get yeah, it. Like, I'm, I'm cool with it either way. But at the same time, like, like I know Olave wanted to play uh, in the Rose Bowl, and I know like he was practicing with them, and I know Ryan Day kind of was like, no, like from reports that like, no, you're not playing, like. Well, especially else opted out to like, I'm not, you're, you're going in the first round, you know, you, you did what ne Ryan day understood. Like he knows you did what you needed to do at Ohio state. You gave us everything you had. You don't have to cap it off with risking injury and risking your future in the road. Well, like, we got for next year. And I'm I a fan. I'm a fan of the opt outs for another reason. I was actually a huge, I was actually very happy that uh, Olave and Wilson both opted out because you recruit these guys. I said the opposite. I just said the opposite about Penn State. They had nobody to back up their players. Like I want the young guys that they they know that like they choose to go to a school that has NFL players at their position in the front. So Marvin Harrison Jr. goes to Ohio State, knowing knowing that he can't, he's probably at best he's going to be the fourth best receiver. Most teams, if he goes to most schools, he's on the field day one. So. When these guys do that, you also I don't I don't want to see them get punished by Marvin Harrison Jr. had three touchdowns in a Rose Bowl. He doesn't get that if if the the guys don't opt out. And so then that's when now you now we're bringing this whole conversation into it. That's when the transfer portal starts opening up for these guys. Like man, I just wasted a whole season of my life. I'm going down to Ole Miss and catch 50 touchdown passes next year. Like screw the Buckeyes. So I'm a fan of. Especially if you have these, you know, these older players, I'm like, fine, move on. Give the young guys three weeks to get ready and show what they can do. 
Ohio State's guys obviously stepped up to the challenge last night. There's I don't even I don't think there's mathematically they maybe score seven more points if Olave and Wilson play, but I don't know how much how much more they could have done. Uh, so that that's I'm on I'm on the side of like give me the guys that really really want to be there uh, and, and, aren't, know, and aren't and aren't playing with one foot in the NFL draft. And you know, like so with this, like Ohio State for example, because obviously that's our easiest comparison is. These guys, the young guys, Marvin Harrison Jr., Abuka, Julian Fleming. Obviously, we know JSN is the guy for next year. We know that. He knows that. He I don't not- know if I know that. We'll have this conversation here in a minute. Well, I think he's like he's he's starting next year. He we oh, know he's oh, starting next year. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the guy as far as like he had nothing to worry about. This game was not gonna impact his position at Ohio you. State next year. So, but you see, Marvin Harris, this was a tryout because we we wait. And then in springtime, we're like, okay, we see how these guys practice. They're fighting for starting spots. They're fighting for their spot on the depth chart. But now Ryan Day has film to go back on in a game that means something essentially for that to kind of, you know, you got the spring practice, you got the spring game, but that's you playing against your own teammates. Like at the end of the day, there's some let up. There's some, you still got that dog, but then you have some game film Uh, to go back. Like is Marvin Harris everything I'm seeing in spring uh, is okay. I want right here. So it's a tryout essentially for the guys like yes. Harrison Jr. and them for their spot on the depth That's chart. exactly how I see it. People said like, well, Ohio State will probably lay down. I said, they're not going to lay down. Like even before the game, they're like, I'm going to take Utah because Ohio State, if they get down early or whatever, they'll probably lay down. I'm like, they're not going to lay down because everybody that they're putting on this field needs to be out there. I'm like, yes. so that's the difference is they're not going to lose fight unless it just gets so bad that anybody would lose fight. But I'm like, these guys need to be on the field because Ryan Day is looking at yep. do I have next year? Where do I need to look? Yep. Where do I need to entertain this transfer portal if possible? Yep. But I'm, it was a full view of what he has for next year outside of his new recruits that are coming in as freshmen. So yeah, that's, and, and, and that's part of it. And that's what we're, we're We'll get that discussion here in a second because I, I, you brought up an interesting thing about the transfer portal, the positives of it. I want to talk about one game real quick, and then we're just gonna we're gonna go head first into the Rose Bowl. I promise, uh, it, it will do that, and then we'll have the playoff talk. Uh, another game that really stood out last week: um, Oklahoma and the Alamo Bowl just beat the snot out of Oregon. Uh, the score was 47-32 Oklahoma. It wasn't that close. They pulled Bob Stoops out of retirement because Lincoln Riley left. Bob Stoops was there. His son is catching touchdown passes. Oregon was terrible. They looked bad. They, they've just come off of two bad beats by Utah. They looked bad again. I just wanted to give credit to this Oklahoma team that, um, it, you know, by all means, when you're when you're kind of like Ohio State, when you're rated that high and you only think about the championship and you have a Heisman contender at quarterback to start the season, and then you have – it's an 11-win season, but Oklahoma had a bad season. Like, you know, their season, just like Ohio State, was a failure uh, because it's championship or bust. You finish the season with a freshman quarterback. Uh, things are positive. Uh, Oregon was quite the opposite. They start off high. They beat Ohio State. They're in the top five and top five in the country. Everything's going great. And they got worse and worse and worse. And by the end of the season, Brown had no idea what was going on on the field. Oregon was playing half ass. So I know their coach left, but I just want to recognize that that's one of those games to where we talk and talk about games are meaningless, don't matter. A team could lay down. Credit to Oklahoma for uh, showing up and, and Bob Stoops for coming out of retirement and getting a, and getting a big win over number 14 team in the country. So my takeaway, then I'll ask Mo Murphy, 
my takeaway is that Oklahoma, that was a good springboard the next year. They've got a really good taste in their mouth. Uh, you know, they've, I don't, I don't like their coaching hire, but they've got a new coach coming in. Uh, they've got a quarterback. They've got a quarterback. Um, so I'm saying if you're Oklahoma, at, at least that, that is a, that's a good, you know, whatever we got now, about five to six months um, to get to get ready for next season. So, but amazingly, shout out to Bob Stoops, Ohio native. Um, always liked the guy, um, you know, for getting that done. And and uh, Oregon, Oregon's quite the opposite. I think they go in the next year with more question marks than than uh, <laughs> than they started with that game. So, what'd you take? Did you get to watch the Oklahoma Oregon game? Yeah, did you have any, all right. So, what was your what was just what what's your takeaway? And then maybe we'll talk about the coaching hire real quick. Well, that that's my takeaway is like okay. basically you see Oklahoma had every excuse to not play good in that game. Like exactly. you know, a lot of tr- a lot of guys left, uh their head coach mm-hmm. left, the mojo at Oklahoma was like very negative. You bring yeah. Bob Stoops and it's like uplift the whole, you know, it uplift Oklahoma as a as a Sooners nation, you know, as players. You see like they played for Bob Stoops. And so it almost makes me wonder, should, should you have tried to convince Bob Stoops to come out of retirement and be the coach for the next few years? <laughs> and did you like if I'm and, and I had tweeted this out, I said Venables is shaking in his boots watching Oklahoma play like this. Somebody asked me why I said, because look how that team played for Bob Stoops yeah. with every reason to play bad. I said the pressure's on day one, oh. keeping Caleb Williams. I'm like, if he's staying, and it seems like he's staying, he played in that bowl game, I feel like if he was going to leave, he wouldn't have played in that game. Uh, I said, if he's staying, the pressure's on. The offense clicked. They were up 30-3 to three at halftime. Let's just put that in perspective. I know, like oh, it was, said, it was a beat down. 32, and it seemed like, oh, Oregon had a chance because 47-32 can go one of two ways. You can stay within a touchdown, and then you score late, and they can't answer. Or you were up so big and they slowly claw and you just do everything you can not to lose the lead, essentially. And that's basically what happened in the second half. They gave up some big plays or whatever. It seemed like Oregon was clicking, but like none of it ever mattered. Like it was no, all meaningless. It was, it was, it was probably, it was the, the worst defeat that I think I saw. Yeah, it was all meaningless in the second half. Like it well, was second like, worst defeat. I'm sorry. We'll get to the worst defeat I saw. Second worst yeah, defeat. But you never thought, you never no. thought Oregon, um, had a chance of winning that game or coming back and winning. It was just statistically and, and everything like that. I mean, I guess if you were betting, you're like, oh, I hope they backdoor cover if you had took, you know, Oregon to cover or whatever. But that's what you were sitting there watching. But I mean, yeah. the way they played for Bob Stoops and just that yeah. iconic moment. Well, when it, when he threw up the O, great. Great. oh man, it was like, it, it was almost like if you really love the sport, like y- your hair stand up, like you yeah, got was- you understood the meaning of what that moment was so yep. it was like dang if i'm oklahoma if i'm oklahoma fan, i'm like man i wish maybe we would have brought bob stoops out oh, of i'm sure they're saying that and 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 your point about venables first of all i don't like venom i never like hiring coordinators i think that it almost fails every time because now you you stretch their duties out so much now you got to be a recruiter a ceo you got to worry about dragging a kid out of a strip club at three in the morning all these things uh you can't just watch the game from one side of it uh, you have to have momentum. You have to play calls. You have to coddle quarterbacks. Like if you're a head coach, you have to have a great relationship with your quarterback. So now Venables, a defensive coach, has to learn how to be a quarterback guru. I don't know if that's possible. Um, it's I, I I just think it's a bad fit. I don't blame him for taking the job. You take the money, take the job. Eventually, he was going to have to. Uh, but and then you're taking over a team like you said, Mo. They went eleven and two in their bad year. So now you have to go like you have to go to the playoffs next year if you're Venables, or 
you got worse. Oh, so you got to, you got it. It's like Ryan Day when he took over for Meyer. It really is. You got to at least win the Big 12. And, and you like, have to. you talk about pressure on coaches, like with these amazing recruiting classes. And I remember before we got CJ Stroud in them, they said over the next four years, those recruiting classes will win the national championship at Ohio State. Which therefore means like now it's Ryan Day been to the national championship, been to the playoffs a couple times, missed the playoffs, wins the Rose Bowl. Hey, it's play it's national championship or bust now for for yeah. Ryan Day when we talk about expectations for coaches. Like Urban Meyer got us one. Um, you know, it's kind of like every coach except Luke Fickle, bad situation, whatever. That's a you know, that's an hour long conversation about the setup that he got. I'd take him back. I think he comes back uh at some point. I, I really do. Uh, I know you feel that same way, probably yeah. for the same feeling. I think Ryan Day leaves or whatever. But you start looking at like the pressure's on for some coaches next year. Ryan Day is one of them. Yeah, pressure is on. Like you make the you make these changes at, on, on defense or whatever. And I think it sucks for year one the pressure to be on with Venables when you yep. lost a lot of recruits. Exactly, he's he, 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 he lost a lot of recruits mm-hmm. the minute right left, and a lot of them went to USC or went elsewhere on their list. So that's going to be tough. And I, I can see them and, taking a step back. And he'll be in the SEC. When, when do they? Yeah, they'll be in the SEC soon, right? It's not next year, is it? 2025. Yeah. But I'm still saying, like, that's right around the corner. When, when you're recruiting, you're now, like, his next recruiting class, he's recruiting against Nick Saban and recruiting against Kirby Smart and recruiting against, um, you know, whoever else is good. Like so, guys, junior year. It's a, it's I, the SEC. I think it's absolutely set up for failure. So, all right, here, let's do this. We've been uh, tiptoeing around this uh, the entire time. Let's talk about the last non-playoff giant bowl game. This turned out to be it, it turned out to be the Holiday Bowl. They canceled the Holiday Bowl this year. You got to see it in the Rose Bowl. It was wild. Uh, Ohio State beats Utah with a late, late, late field goal, forty-eight to forty-five. And an absolute shootout, record-breaking uh, Rose Bowl. Me and Mo, like if you don't know, we're huge Ohio State fans, so it was awesome. You know, but we're both going to sit here and tell you that it, it was not a perfect game by any means. So, uh, you know, it, the Rose Bowl is the best-looking bowl game of the year, Mo. It's still the most important outside of the playoff uh, playoff games. Like it's just one of those things. The the ratings for this game with Ohio State being in it and how close it was. It, they're going to be off the charts. I would imagine they'll probably pass the playoff games. I would imagine this will be the highest rated bowl game. Uh, I'd be surprised if it's not. Uh, it was crazy. I'm just giving a quick recap here because Mo's going to have some things to say. High State starts off absolutely horrible, just like they did versus Michigan. They got pushed around. Uh, Utah gets two quick scores. It, 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 like it with little effort. Uh, Stroud can't get a first down. You know, we just talked about it. You know, he's got two new outside receivers. Um, you know, that opted out and the, the offensive line is shook up as usual. And we were down, you know, we, they were down starters on defense. So regardless, they get down 14, nothing right away. I admittedly was like, okay, it's over. Like no big deal. Move on to 20, 2022. Uh, we got, you yeah, got to fix this thing. You know, Ryan Day's on the clock. We got Knowles coming in to hopefully fix the defense, blah, blah, blah. And then like you're watching the updates and it's like, wow. Then they, they, you know, they get to halftime and it's still 35 to 21. Like at this point, Utah scored 35 points on Ohio State going into halftime. But Stroud heated up, and there was a one point where he had three throws in a row were touchdowns. Uh, an ama- like I, I think it was three throws, and it covered like 
over a hundred yards and there was three touchdowns on three consecutive passes. Like just an amazing game by Stroud. You can't say enough. So I'll get, I'll get through some of the records and I'll turn Mo loose here. Uh, Stroud has uh, 573 yards, <laughs> six touchdowns. Did have one interception, which honestly mattered. That interception did matter. This wasn't yeah. by uh, – they didn't have the lead until late, late, late in this game. Um, but the most – you know, what everybody's going to take away from this game is uh, our guy, Jackson Smith and Jigba. <laughs> I'm going to say this, and I think people are going to think that it's a, that I'm that uh, they misheard me. 15 receptions. Okay, you can buy that. He's a, he's a, he's a reception getter. Three <laughs> – a, a all-time, no, this is, I want to make this very clear, of all the bowl games that have ever been played in the history of college football, Jackson Smith and Jigba has the record for 347 receiving yards all time. Like, you want to talk about records that hold up, all-time bowl game record is, I mean, you're talking 30 a year for 100 years, <laughs> and uh, nobody, nobody has more receiving yards than JSM. He did a great job. He made it was unbelievable. He he caught the the go ahead touchdown, which was huge. Um, he had three touchdowns. His longest was fifty two, which is one of the wildest things I've ever seen. Where he kind of walked in the end zone with uh, the kid from Utah on his back. So, just a, a great offensive game for Ohio State. They got pushed around on defense again. We'll talk about that here in a second. But uh, that's just kind of a rundown. Uh, just an exciting bowl game. Uh, you know. They, they came down to the wire. I feel bad for Utah. They were up for the game. They really thought they were going to win the game. I'm not going to lie. I was I was ready to smack them all in the face by the end, but that's that's just college football. Uh, I did feel that's a horrific way to lose a football game when when you're up 14 nothing. You thought you won. Um, this is another this is another game to where, and I, I said this on Jay Stevens show, the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. I thought Ohio State was tougher than people thought, and I stood by it, and they proved me right. I, I had Ohio State win the close one by six late. They won by three late, and um, I just knew that there was something inside of them that was a little tougher than people thought um, You know, after that terrible Michigan game. So, all right, Mo Murphy, what did you learn about the Rose Bowl? Now, you tell me your favorite parts, favorite plays, like whatever, man. Well, I just want to point out, Jackson Smith and the Jigba should have cracked 350 and had four touchdowns, but it, you know, it got knocked out of his hand when he was, when all he saw was the end zone. Those were what? Another oh, seven. Yards. Fumble, yes. So that fumble one gives him a fourth touchdown and he cracks 350. Just want to put that out there that he would have had about almost 360 yards and a fourth oh. touchdown. Had he not, had he not got knocked out of his hand just to put that in perspective. So, um, but I mean, this was a game that, you know, I didn't get up for it until about 15 minutes before the game. As far as like really feeling the excitement, really like at first I was just like, ah, oh, it's a game. It's Ohio State's last game. I'm gonna watch it. But you know what? And then about 15 minutes before the game, you know, the Lakers starts kicking in a little bit. I'm like, you know what? Man, <laughs> this is it. Like we get to see, we about to see what's what we're about for next year. So I started looking That's forward to it. Then we come out and I'm like, okay, the, I see Jay post the report, uh, uh, 24 scholarship players aren't playing. I look at the list. I'm like, well, God, we have no chance. And I know Utah had a few players also not play, but this was Utah's national championship. This was, I think it's, I think like, it's the s- biggest game in, in their school's history. They, they've never played in the Rose Bowl. Being in a Pac-12, they never, this was their school's national championship for them in Ohio State stole it from them with, I mean, I guess we call excuse, whatever, but with every excuse to lose this game down 14 to zero, it looks all bad. We're missing all our best players. 
outside of our quarterback and, and JSN and even Henderson play, but we're, we're missing our best players on every level, defense, offense, whatever, however you want to look at it. Um, so I don't know, man. It was just, it was a crazy game. We, we're down 35-21, but we know we get the ball coming out of halftime. I'm like, we're not out of this game at this point. I'm like, our offense is doing what they're supposed to do. We come out, we score a touchdown. Now we put the pressure on Utah to answer. Like, now... You know, Utah has to score because if we get the ball back, we've shown after we after those first couple drives, we've shown we'll score if we want to. Smith is Smith and the Jigba's night. Marvin Harrison Jr. is playing well. So we come out and we score. Boom. We put the pressure on Utah. They don't answer. Score again. Utah scores, then gets to what? 38-31. And it's like, okay, Ohio State scores. Boom. 38-38. Uh, Utah doesn't score. Ohio State takes the lead. Utah comes back, leaves us enough time on the clock. I'm like, all we got to do is get in field goal range. At this point, our offense has done whatever they want to do. We'll get in field goal range. We could have scored. We had a minute left. Yeah, Henderson could have scored a touchdown with what, like 20 seconds left and fell down, like to kick the field goal. I don't don't understand it, but whatever. Like, I I don't either. I didn't like that. He easily easily scores a touchdown. Well, I don't know. You've seen Ohio State's defense this year. You can understand why Ryan Day wouldn't want to give him a time on the clock. I get it. They had a kick return touchdown. Yeah, so it was like Ohio State, they, as much as we could point out the wrong, the negative, I feel like you got to be positive about this because you have a guy at quarterback going into next year. And we knew that pretty much. I mean, we could pick CJ Stroud apart about the type of year he had, but he still had a really great year. I think he had a really, I'm, I'm, I'm a little higher on Stroud than I tell I'm telling you, he played a better game against Michigan than people are giving him credit for, especially Desmond Howard. Um, I I don't get, I don't, He's going to remember that. I just, that's yeah. my takeaway is he's a tough I, kid. I said this, I'm, we'll get going on it. I know you'll get going on it here in a second, but then I don't want to spend too, too much time on it, but I'll put it like this. Michigan won the game they needed to win this year. Like, yes, they're, they're fully. And I said, that's the difference between a team who's used to success and a team that get the taste that you find the pot. This wasn't by any means a successful season for Ohio State. We missed the playoffs. We didn't compete for a national championship. We had a Heisman contender. We had the best offense in the country, and we didn't compete for the national championship. So this was not by – it was a way to cap off a decent season. This was a success, and we lost to Michigan. Like, that goes to, like, okay, yeah, we lost to Michigan. We didn't have a – where Michigan, they beat Ohio State. Yeah, they won the Big Ten championship, but, like, they're – at least we beat Ohio State. Like, when they got slaughtered by Georgia, that's their – Ohio State never – when we lost to Clemson, lost to Bama in the national championship, never looked back on that and said, at least no. Michigan. No, I will – yeah, we haven't, done, we haven't done that since – it's been a long time because – Yeah, like that's not that a thought on – like at least we beat Michigan. Like, yeah, we supposed to. Like, so I think this is something to build on for the – at least offensively, yes. we're going to go right back into having the best offense in the country again. We got Henderson. Oh going to be a sophomore running back. We got JSN, Marvin Harrison Jr. is a guy. We got Emeka Abuka and Julian Fleming. Those are some guys. I've always wondered why Fleming. You think we'll have all of them? You think? I think so. I, Abuka you think says, oh, the only person I question is Fleming because we do have some recruits coming in. I could see Fleming has never, he was the top out of him, JSN and Abuka. He was the top receiver coming out of high school mm-hmm. he's never seen the field more than jsn even barely any more than a book and i thought like fleming would have a breakout game and it was marvin harrison jr that had the breakout game like i'm like this is fleming's time to put himself in a rotation go along jsn so if there was somebody to leave i think it would be 
Fleming, because Obuka is solidified. Ryan Day loves him. Special teams, he's a great punt returner, kick returner. And I think you've seen him have a few catches throughout the season and more time on the field. You've heard his name more than Fleming. That He's probably that third guy. Like, our three is probably JSN, definitely JSN, Marvin Harrison Jr. And I think Obuka, unless one of these guys coming in as freshmen, turn out to be guys, but I just don't see that their freshman year taking over. So I, I think Fleming, if he's not okay with being wide receiver four, could do a Jameson Williams, right? Like and, you and, and, and I, I, and super and I want to touch on I want to touch on that real quick. Something that we've heard all year as high state fans is the Jamison Williams thing. Like how could you let this guy go? How could you get let this guy go? First of all, we don't get first of all, we don't get the choice. Like he, Jamison doesn't call and ask like if he can go or not. He goes. And I want to say that we just played a Rose Bowl game and had 573 yards passing. I don't think Jamison Williams is the difference in this season. So if you want to know why Jamison Williams left, it's because, you know, these guys just had 573 receiving yards in a game. So, you know, shout out to him. He had a great year and, you know, he's going to keep going. But uh, I just want to put that. It's best receiver at Ohio State. There, I, like, and even if he, but even if he plays, though, it's interchangeable. Like we've seen Harrison go in. Harrison looks like, like already looks exactly like Wilson. Like it's because of Brian Hartline. It's because of the system. And, um, you know, I even go so far as to say like, um, I'm not one that like I don't take any credit for Jamison Williams as a Buckeye fan, but you can't tell me that what he learned as a, a receiver at Ohio State didn't help him at Alabama. Like Hartline is the best receiver coach in the country. Probably if you look ever. at uh, it's it's crazy, it, but so I'm like maybe ever. But I just my point being like it, it didn't it didn't wind up mattering. That's all I'm gonna say about like I'm not saying I wouldn't I take him tomorrow. Like I'm not saying he's not a good talent, he's a great receiver, but I'm just saying that. Sometimes this is why it works out. And I think Harrison Jr. really put that to bed. And I'm really I'm glad that he had the game that he had. Uh, he's definitely in that, the right position. Um, you know, that, that's exactly where he needs to be on the field. I loved it. Uh, receivers look great. Uh, just complete mismatch over Utah. Uh, they never had a chance against the receivers once they got going. Very my knocks on the my knocks on the game are though. Very, 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 very disappointed in the running game. I mean, never, never to be able to make the big hole, never to be able to establish it. They haven't established a running game since like week five or six. Like yeah. it, they've really like it's been overlooked, um, but the, it's just not there. And it's a combination of the running backs, like their techniques and some things they do. Uh, Henderson's become hesitant for that big play, which can ruin a running back. Um, I, I'm not saying he is ruined, but I'm saying it can ruin a running back. He just. He gets tripped up by linebackers too much in the feet, and that, the reason that is because you're not going full speed. You're not running hard. You're not exploding through whatever hold. Or, you're not getting through that first line of defense. Uh, really, really shaky. Offensive lines, uh, a little big and clunky to push people around, but they're great pass protectors, so I understand. And then, you know, you, know, you this, this defense is going to be brand new next year, so I'm not going to go too long on it, but it's just an absolutely dreadful performance by the defense. Um, you know, the big plays they did come up with were whatever, but it just, again, no pressure. Defensive linemen were getting buried. Utah's good, but they're not that good. Not that um, good against our backup. Still, still get you. Oh, no, no, I'm saying that's what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, yeah. but I'm just saying as the game that was on the field, the defensive players still getting mismatches with they're getting receivers on middle linebackers that, that run a five flat, maybe like, it's still the same mistakes that Ohio State's had for a year. That was what that was the only part of it. Because here's the thing: we say that now, like we're we're not excusing, but like we're kind of washing away all this now. But if something goes wrong and we lose that game, that's the only conversation we're having: is that we wasted 
six touchdowns by C.J. Stroud. And that, like, there's a version of this game that is a really, really, really bad loss going into the offseason. So if, if I'm the Buckeyes, I'm like, okay, we got away with one. We got out of there alive. Um, you know, we have, we have some really, really good feelings going into the offseason. But that game could – like a bounce of a ball, that game goes a different way. And all we're talking about is, you know, how they got ran over by a Utah team in the Rose Bowl and wasted six touchdowns. And will will CJ put up with it? What's the fix? Ryan Day's on the hot seat. Like all that happens with a bad bounce is what so, I'm saying. So let me ask you this. Did CJ Strout, and like you say, he's been picked apart all year. You've loved him. I gave up on him early, fell back in love with him. You know what? I just, it started to seem like something was missing and maybe we need to try a different quarterback. No, you're right. It was. He changed the quarterback, saw it wasn't the quarterback. Okay, boom, put Stroud back in there. He said he was a little hurt. Comes in, obviously didn't play. Seeing it wasn't the quarterback was the issue. All right, go back with Stroud. If this is the best we have and we don't have any better, then he just, we, we, tend to forget that this was his first year starting. So it was he's, like, he's young. Yeah. He's young. He had to play against Oregon in a huge game. Like, and he wasn't ready. And it, it's not that he played bad, but he didn't play great. It, statistically he did. But when you watch on the field, like there, he left first downs on the, on the field or whatever. Yep. So that was the biggest thing he did. He, he, quarterbacks that, that run. And so when you have like, just take the five or six yards, why aren't you running? Like we, so either way though, did CJ Stroud with that performance yesterday, is he, or, or is he looked at going into next season? Is obviously he's a Heisman contender because he, he was there in fourth place, rightfully so, or whatever this year. But did he impress NFL scouts yesterday? Is my yes. like is yes, absolutely. Is, is is this Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields all over again with him and Bryce Young next year? Like is actually it two guys and then everybody else and maybe somebody will pop. You always have somebody pop Mac Jones, like somebody pops like a Mac Jones or it is. You try and and convince yourself to fall in love with a guy like Zach Wilson at a small school or something like that. But is this Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields with Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, where Young has the nod right now playing for the better team, you know, because they're going to, he's, he gets a, extra game in the national championship has a chance to really play well in a national championship, have that under his belt the same way Trevor Lawrence did his first year, as opposed to just Fields was at Georgia his first year while Lawrence was in the national championship puts himself ahead. But you knew that next year when you watch both of those guys, yeah. it's those two. And then it's the rest of the, you know, it's the rest of the class. We'll try and convince ourselves not to fall in love with Stroud too much. Bryce young will be handed the number one pick, but is it like, Stroud should be looked at going into the season and evaluated as a top five draft pick because of that. Like starting with it starts all season, but that game, like, does that put a stamp now? If I'm an NFL scout, like that might be my yes. next quarterback. If I'm needing a quarterback after next season, like I'm looking at Stroud or Bryce Young, whoever I can't get, I want the other. Like, is he that guy because of that? Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing it is because now that is one thing that these performances do, but because what Stroud did yesterday translates because he threw the ball it was ball placement it was he i would here's what the most impressive thing that stroud did yesterday and i was worried about this going into this game is that utah was going to show him so many you know mixed fronts and and false fronts and in fake blitzes and all that he and that, this is why Njigba had such a great game stroud saw the holes in that zone even even when they were trying to mask it and everything like he found these holes like if you go back and look at that game like there were some great catches because Again, ball placement, but a lot of the guys were wide open because he recognized it. And that's what I saw about Stroud. Like, if I'm a scout, I'm like, 
today's NFL, I don't care what anybody says. I know everybody thinks it's still prime time and and man to man. It's not. It's cover twos. It's cover fours. Because there's very of, few. If like there's like three or four like man to man lockdown shadow corner. But that's but that's one guy. It's not the, it's not across yeah, the field. That's like, not like it's, it's yeah no. And so what you need is a guy that can. You, gotta, you need a you need a guy that can recognize these holes and stuff, and that's what Stroud. I was so impressed that and his ball placement. And I'm this is and I mean this, and I don't care. You know, he, he reminded me of yesterday was Peyton Manning. Like take the snap. There, the, he didn't move. He didn't move off his spot, and he was his arc, and he was giving his guys a chance to catch it. And when they were catching balls, I mean, it was on. like the the one the I think it was the first touchdown to Marvin Harrison Jr. Like he's so wide open, but Stroud still puts it like he doesn't make it difficult on him. The fourth down touchdown, the first touchdown on fourth down, like yeah. like my God, like you can't like even Herb Street, even Herb Street, the biggest doubter hater hates he, he hates black quarterbacks, he hates high state quarterbacks, he hates running quarterback, he hates all this. Couldn't help himself but scream that it was such a good throw. Um, that's how good of it. And it was. He did it four or five times. It it was, it wasn't dangerous because it was, but I'm saying like you on fourth and one, all you need is one yard and you go for the the touchdown. Had he not placed it right? Like now Utah has, he wasn't open. Yeah, he wasn't open. Does he not place that ball perfectly? Is that not a perfectly thrown pass by the quarterback? Utah now has the ball shooting for the end zone instead of just going to get that one yard and keeping the drive going. So it was dangerous. And I always, in situations like that, when I see that ball go, and the receiver's out of the camera at the moment that it releases and you know it's going down the field, I'll be like, oh, God. Yeah. All we needed was a yard while we attacking the end zone right now. Oh, I was – yeah. But it was perfect. Like, it was right – Oh, it dropped right over the shoulder to where the DN is on his back on the right and it just drops yeah, right in. It is perfect. And, like – He showed – He, he showed played mental, amazing. Like, I think – He showed mental toughness. He showed he showed arm talent. And he, he was comfortable showed, in the pocket. He was comfortable he in the pocket. He doesn't extend plays. Nope. That's what scouts are really going to look at is because, like, we saw, like, they didn't fall in love with, like, Lamar Jackson coming out. Um, You know, a lot of those guys, because, like, they even make Even Justin plays, Fields. Even you know, Justin Fields. Because they make plays because they extend them. Like, where mm-hmm. guys like Lawrence, he would run if he had to. He could. But he was in the pocket making those throws, making the plays. And C.J. Stroud is the same way. Like, he's in the pocket. Making, and Bryce yeah. Young. Bryce Young as well. That's why I say these two, I think people are really falling in love with them right now because they're not all about extending plays. And when guys can do that in college, they get afraid to fall in love with that because it's not that easy when yes. you're not more talented. Typically, it's not, su- it's not sustainable. Superior. Yeah, and, and the talent isn't so superior where you're going against all the DNs that can run four threes and four fours. You're yeah. going against all the corners that were the best corners on their team. You're not doing this against Rutgers where, yeah, we got the, so much talent. Just go down the field. I'll extend it. Get open. Like, yeah. so that's why people tend to, but when you're in the pocket and you're just boom, making throw after throw after throw oh. 600 yards passing, you have to think like coming in the next, I don't know if that put him ahead of Bryce young. We'll yeah. see. Well, it young put him ahead in NFL. NFL wise, Stroud had a a better game than Young this weekend. Now we Young's got a huge game coming up, but I'm saying <laughs> NFL, yeah, NF, NFL wise, Stroud had the best game by. It, I don't even think it's close of the week to a quarterback that I saw as far as what what translates onto the field. I mean, yeah. so I think uh, I think that's what Ohio State should be excited for. Is I mean, I think it's going to be a two headed going into next year, the preseason, everything. It's going to be a two headed race for for you know Heisman in people's eyes, like. 
all eyes are going to be on Stroud and Bryce Young all year. Oh, yeah. Every game, it's going to be just like it was when Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, their junior years, except we're getting this with Bryce Young and CJ yeah. Stroud. It, it would be their junior year, but, you know, because of the opt-out, they're yeah. sophomores. So, but it's going to be like, everybody's going to be paying attention. And it's just, it's, it reminds me of, Lawrence and Fields, like the same yeah. way it was a two-headed race for everything. Who's the best quarterback in the country? Who's going to win the Heisman? Who, who's going to be the top-notch, you know, draft pick? Who are we looking to take because we need a quarterback? And everybody, all eyes on Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. And they're going to be picked apart more than anybody, just like Lawrence oh, yeah. and Fields were. They're, they're going to get in the film room. Find me a reason not to love this guy the way I do because I, I'm in love with him. So I'm trying to – and they did it too much with Justin Fields, and that's why he ended up falling to Chicago because – too many people were trying to they, they just didn't want to fall in love with Justin Fields or they were afraid that their love for them would blind mm -hmm. what really his product on the field. And you're seeing him get better uh, each week. I still probably would like him to see a little bit more advanced, but same time, none of the rookie quarterbacks look great. I guess Mac no. Jones is the best one so far, but you're not like, oh, we were wrong about taking Justin Fields because nobody looks great right now. Yeah, uh, had the most promising rookie season. So I just I think after watching that game, I'm like CJ Stroud put himself on the map like he could be the number one draft pick. Yeah, the general takeaway is Ohio State fans have to like as as sideways as this season went and the downs and everything. They have to be they just have to be excited going into uh, next year. Like that that's that's a positive outcome. And it was fun. Like of all the fans that were there enjoyed it, you know, it, it, and it, it puts you in a better mood, especially coming off that you know terrible you know Michigan loss. It it did makes you feel better for until you know day one of the season next year. So I'm not going to complain about it. There, there a lot of good came out of it. There's still a lot of negative a, a, about it. But that's the thing about bowl games now with with players missing and things like that. You also can't you can't go too far off the off the ledge because you know these teams will look totally different. You know, coming game. Offensively, I will say Ohio State picks up right where they left off from. Their offense looked great. That was the best. Like yeah. that. That's and this is uh, we won't have the conversation now. But this is why I think Ryan Day has is going to go to the NFL because that offense was the 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 formations, the route designs. That 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 offense that he ran yesterday is completely sustainable, completely repeatable. If he figures out how to get a run game out of it, takes advantage of the run game, um, it's it's going to be. A night, an absolute night. They'll have the best offense in the country, and I don't even think it'll be close next year if they can just tighten up a few things in the run game. Because if they start taking advantage of you know the coverages, it, a running back should have you know the ten yards of carry next year. We should go and right I think they will. Our top tier running backs, like I guess what the past two years, even though Travion Henderson has played well, he hasn't played. We have a standard at Ohio State, and that's why we're like, man, yeah. we can't believe our run game because we've been spoiled with elite running back talent. And, and Trayvon Lewis is a five-star. I just think, like you said, some of it was timid. And, then, you know, the, I think there's a lot of pressure on running backs at Ohio State because of, you know, dating back to what, Archie Griffin and Eddie Well, Joel. the offense isn't. And I don't think it's meant for that. I think we passed so much this year. That, exactly. We don't. We've always had the Zeke or whatever where we get them going. And once they get going, you can't stop them. We've won games yeah. on the back of Ezekiel Elliott. Like, I know yeah. you remember that one year where we went 38-31 against Indiana. Yeah. JT Bear, JT Bear and Cardell Jones played absolutely terrible, put the game on Zeke's back. I don't think we do that right now, but I don't think the offense calls for that either. And you yeah. don't really hand the ball off enough. And we're used to a running quarterback, which also makes the difference in trying no, to No, I think that's I think that was the biggest that, difference this year. That run pass off that run pass option. And we we talked about this, talked about it with Jay on Locked on Buckeyes, talked about this with you. When you go to do that, 
you know it's either he's handing it off the run or he's throwing the ball. There is no third option of worrying about C.J. Stroud. So once they see that ball is out of his hands or they see him go too much this way, he's letting it go. And Henderson's taking it. Okay, I could commit to that. The defensive yeah. end doesn't have it's, to come. It's, it's, it's a terrible run game. They have an absolutely terrible run game. They have good athletes. It's, it's the only reason they – I think part of it is because fix it. the crowd can't run, though, because defensive ends on the run pass option don't have to play – they don't have right. to go straight and play the outside and make yeah. C.J. Stroud read in open holes. They come attacking at an angle, and if Stroud keeps it, he's throwing the ball, but defensive ends can commit to keeping Henderson in that box – where with Justin Fields, when he would fake the handoff, you had to read because the run pass up. It's all about reading the DNs. But if the DNs come out, you give it to the running back. If they go straight, if they attack at an angle, mm-hmm. you keep it, escape out the pocket and throw the ball or you run it. We don't have that threat, which therefore I think it makes it easier to stop our offense. Yeah. But I mean, if CJ Stroud is going to throw for four or five. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Really okay. Right. Like, right. It's not but for me, but, but it I, caught it. It caught up to us so as soon as it got cold and snowed. That's all I'll say. Like the, the, day has to day has to fix the running game. I'll be totally honest. Like the running game was bad. The the defense was bad. The passing game is just amazing. I'm glad they won, but they've got a they got a lot of coaching to do in the offseason. I don't and think, it's all fixable. It's all right. fixable. I don't know if we fix the run game without having a because our bread and butter. No, I don't th- I think I think you can. I, I think that better. I think Stroud is good enough that you can I mean think about it. I mean Tom Brady does it. Uh, you know, modern quarterbacks that don't run the ball can have a, a running game out of the shotgun formation. Um, they just need to. It's it's about changing the reads and the offensive linemen. Like if you look at a lot of teams now, they're using their wide receivers basically as the quarterback. Um, as to where you got two guys, two guys in motion, either one of them can get the ball. Like you do that instead of using. There's there's tweaks that can be made to open up, take advantage of this, and it's only going to matter three or four games a year. The other games, you're just going to give it to Henderson. He's going to be better than everybody else on the field, and he's going to get his yards. It's the it's the playoff game. It's the the Michigan game. It's if if it's pouring yeah, down rain. Cold. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, but they will. I think. I think he did a good job of implementing the tight end more this year. Um, not as far as in the passing game, but as far as in the blocking and the running game and stuff like that. I think. I think the H back will become more important. I really, really do think he tweaks it. I, I'm. I'm not concerned at all about the offense next year. It's not even. Uh, it's not even a concern. I'm not though, though concerned. I, at the end of the day, if if we can't run, if you can't stop the pass and all the weapons we have and the great quarterback we got, then it's really essentially offensively is not going to matter. Like, yeah, it's all about the defense. It's raining, sloppy weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it would be the concern, the same, like the NFL comparison I would have is like the Buffalo bills. Like when they yes. lost that game, that's at- actually my direct one. That's yep. my, like, I, that's why I found disappointment. It happened like, to us. It already happened to us. Built, you're not built to win at home in your weather in December. And you mm-hmm. saw that with Ohio state, like, cause it could very well be the game. The big game is at Ohio state next year and it could snow. Like it very well could snow, could be cold and rainy. And if you're not built to win that game at home, then how can you even be a champion? Because especially you talk about playoffs being good weather. And Ohio State was built to play in the playoffs. They weren't built to play some of those big 10 games late in the season in the bad weather. Had we got past Michigan, we win the big 10 championship in Indy, whatever. And we're more built to play in Miami. We're more built to play in California, we're more yeah. built to play here or there. So I think that was a, the, a big takeaway too, is that we were built to play in a playoff game where athletes and it had to, but not in the trenches. Because and I, I grew, we be Georgia because 
we we wouldn't have been able to handle Georgia in the trenches. No, nope, nobody handled Georgia. Like, let's yeah. we'll get into it next. But just real quick, like I grew up in a time where High State was built opposite, and that was great. And then when we would get to the Sugar Bowl, we would get the doors blown off because of the opposite. So yeah, you have to pick and choose. I understand with the High State. Uh, like again, overall, uh, good good taste in my mouth going to the next season. Let's get to the first playoff game: Cincinnati, Alabama. Uh, you know, everybody wanted Cincinnati to get crushed or they wanted Cincinnati to win. You know, Alabama comes in as the the overwhelming favorite in all this. Um, Alabama, the way I saw it was, I know a lot of people, it seems close. Alabama wins 27 to 6, but they scored 10 points late. It seemed like a close game. My opinion was Nick Saban did just enough to make sure he won the game, didn't open anything up, was not just like he did Notre Dame last year, was not concerned at all. The knee jerk was like, ah, you know, Cincinnati was able to hang, was able to hang. Let me tell you what, if, if they wanted to have a shootout, Cincinnati loses 50 to six. Uh, I, I believe that. I watched the game. Physically, it was fine. Like Cincinnati, they're, the, Cincinnati's first team looked like they matched up against Alabama, but the problem is it's the rotation, it's the depth. Alabama's bringing in five stars, you know, for first, you know, you know, for subs and stuff like that. That's the depth is what Alabama has. The Cincinnati's just, it's not only, they're not even just in, they're not even in the, the ballpark. I did not think this was as close a game as people thought. I'm not saying Cincinnati didn't deserve to be there. Alabama could have done this to a lot of teams in the country. Fact of the matter is they whoop Cincinnati. Good for Cincinnati. Nobody cares. Like nobody's criticizing Cincinnati. They're like great season. You got a shot. Uh, I don't think it helped the group of five teams. I don't really care about the group of five teams. And I'm also don't don't hold it against Cincinnati. I really just I just don't care about this game. I would have rather seen this be, you know, wh- whoever you want to put Ohio State, Baylor, you know, a, a Power Five team in there to give them a shot. Whatever it happened, Alabama wins a a snooze fest, you know, by twenty one points. So uh, Mo, did you learn anything from the uh, f- the Cotton Bowl Classic, the first playoff game? The one thing I learned is that people don't pay attention to football. Sometimes <laughs> I learned that people don't know what they talk about sometimes. And you pointed it out. Like you said, everybody's like, oh, you know, Nick Saban. If you think Saban is the coach that cares about style points, you haven't been watching college football. because He does it because Nick Saban will rather answer questions. Why did you beat him 50 to six? Then why did you lose 27 to six? Like he does not care about a great. A win is a win in his eyes. And he, you know you understand the college football and not all wins are created equal and people only care about the losses. It's not about the wins. But Saban, is, as long as I win, I live to fight another day. You can say what you, he just tried to get through the game. The, the most they did to open up playbook was run reverses. That was it. Like, they weren't slinging the ball down the field. Bryce Young had three touchdown passes after marching the ball down the field. You know what? We'll, we'll let Bryce Young get a little bit of love. We'll, we'll let him cap off the good drive, the good, long, strong drive that we had, marching it down Cincinnati's throat. Like, we'll let him throw a touchdown. We'll, we'll give Bryce Young some stats. Because Bryce Young, they could have easily had 27 points Bryce Young not throw a touchdown. They could have just kept running it all the way into the end zone. It was like, you know what? Let's give him a little bit of stats. Let's let him yeah. sling well, it a little bit, keep him a little fresh. Ready for the national championship? Let's not put them out there where Bryce. Let Young- me give you. Let me get. Let me give you the. Let me give you the stats real quick. Uh, Bryce Young was seventeen for twenty eight, but had three touchdowns. Keep in mind. Uh, so Bryce Young threw less passes than Jack Cohn had incompletions in the uh, the Fiesta Bowl. So I'm just putting perspective that they. 
everybody kind of you know, jumped on like, oh, Young didn't do this and blah, blah, blah. Like, because they didn't have to, to, to get to your point. So Bryce Young, 181, three touchdowns, completely controlled the game. And that's that's what Saban does. So when people were like, wow, but, you know, it wasn't about Cincinnati playing close or great. I mean, in the first half, it was a 17 to six and they had outscored them by almost 300 yards. Like it was like three something to barely over 100. Like it was you, they dominated the game. They, they didn't cap off a couple drives. You know, Cincinnati was able to get lucky, get them off the field, you know, a couple times. But Cincinnati never really had a shot. And they lost in the trenches. At the end of the day, that's where the game was lost. Yep. And like you said, Cincinnati just wasn't deep enough. When you put a backup in, you're putting a former three-star, you know, two-star guy that, that didn't get any, you know, power five offers or any major power five offers. Like, I'd rather play at Cincinnati than Vanderbilt. Uh, those are the type of guys that typically you get. You had you had two first-round corners in, in Kobe Bryant and Sauce Garner. But at the end of the day, like, Maybe and didn't even Saban didn't even allow Saban didn't allow him to make an impact. Saban didn't they had, allow him to make an impact. Al- Alabama had Alabama had three hundred and one rushing yards on the number four team in the country. Yeah, they, they, let's call them the number. If we say, you know, here's what's funny, Mo. If we say it that because I know we're both, I know where we're at on this. If we say it that way, the, the game sounds different because when you say Cincinnati, everybody automatically. Um, changes the narrative. If we call them the number four team in the country, this game looks totally different. If I say Alabama had 301 rushing yards, the number four team in the country, Bryce Young had three touchdown passes, the number four team in the country. They beat the number four team in the country by 21 points. Then all of a sudden it sounds different. But when you say Cincinnati, everybody's like, oh, that didn't sound too bad. If it, if I replace Cincinnati with Oklahoma, we're talking about how Alabama, you know, Oklahoma didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. That's what we're saying. Yeah. If it's Ohio State, they didn't deserve to be in the play- I don't care. Iowa, any other major program if this happens to if this happens to Notre Dame like it did last year we we act like Notre Dame got squashed last year that was the same game and Notre Dame actually had a little better chance so if Cincinnati wants to be treated equal let's treat them equal they got they 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 couldn't muster up anything in the playoffs they got completely drowned and lost by 21 points yeah and I it's my thing is, like, who do you think would have did a better job? Like, Ohio State matches up a little bit better with Alabama, right? But who really does a better job? But then at the same time, like, Alabama against a better team or whoever you feel uh, more, it opens up I, the whole- I think, I think, I mean, I don't think it's, I mean, I think Ohio State, Baylor, a healthy old Miss is way better. But they, I think they can score. I think Ohio State, I'll put it, I think Ohio State can score more than six points. Yeah, and they can score, and that, that changes how you got to run offense. You can't play conservative and keep the ball out of their hands because they're scoring Man, points. That's, rapid. that's, like that's exactly my point. Saban didn't have to do anything. But I still, like, still want to say, like, I still think, and, and we could say, like, Cincinnati's the 10th best team in the country if they all play in a tournament right now. But what I'll say is, if we're upset, then we got to tell our teams handle business because Cincinnati. Oh no, no, Cincinnati deserved to be there. Yeah, because they did. Everybody who wanted to see Notre Dame or Ohio State, yeah, I would have loved to see Ohio State. Yeah, I think Ohio State does play better. But you know what? Why knock Cincinnati for doing what they're supposed to do? Win every game yeah. and beat the team that's in front of you. I get not all wins and struggling with SMU and Navy or whatever. You don't get no credit for. But at the end of the day. They did what they were supposed to do. Ohio State didn't. Ohio State didn't win their championship, yep. and they didn't beat Michigan. Like they beat Michigan, won Big Ten championship. Obviously, Cincinnati's not in there. But, but here's okay, okay. So in, you do I said, what you're supposed to do, and everybody else didn't. 
I said this all year, though. I said this all year, um, and yeah, because I was on uh, Locked On Buckeyes every week after the playoff rankings or whatever. And here was always my problem. You can go back and listen to it. Please do go back and listen to me and Jay talk about this every week. This is what I said. First of all, like Jay's right. You, you don't. They need to give us the criteria before the season starts. They needed to say all Cincinnati has to do is went out and they're in the playoffs. Then we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to argue about it all year. But here's what bothered me. Cincinnati got into the playoffs because they were considered to have the best victory because they beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame. So the, all season they rode. So my problem was always like, well, I didn't know that all we had to do is beat Notre Dame and then play nobody, and that got you in the playoffs because that's not what Ohio State had to do. Um, that, right. that was my point as a fan. But then it wound up being true because this is this is what gets me. Now that we look back, so Cincinnati got into the playoffs because they beat a Notre Dame team that lost to Oklahoma State. So now, like, are we like if you only get tested once and then that team's just average, we don't get to find that out until it's all said and done. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it, and it does become that there does need to be a criteria, uh, at least a set criteria. Like, and we know wins. When style points exist in college football, and we know like they don't, Ohio State won by fourteen. They they should have won by twenty eight. Like exactly. so, we don't give them as much credit. And I get that you you weigh certain teams based on past expect. You know, past last year matters for Ohio State. Like so, going into this year, like this season will matter next year when evaluating Ohio State. Like Ex- Bama, it, it, like Bama, Ohio State, Clemson. Yep. Oklahoma last season is going to weigh how they beat certain teams last year, where those teams improved. Do you, do you take it? Like they're going to look at last year's film and this year's film and, yep. and determine where they should be ranked. Cincinnati, it's a fresh start next year. Like if Cincinnati goes undefeated again, they probably get in again. If teams don't handle business, depending yep. on, I mean, I think they'll evaluate the, a little bit because the yeah. way they might give them the benefit of the doubt. Like you said, if this is Oklahoma or Ohio state or Baylor or Oklahoma state or whoever, Alabama, murdered them where Cincinnati, oh, Cincinnati hung. They're not as bad. I mean, they lost by yep. 21, but they were in the game most of the game. So, like, they deserve to be in there. We could justify putting them in, yep. putting them in there again, but well, hesitate putting Ohio State in there again if it was under the same circumstance. So, Mo, we actually got to find that out. I know you got to go here in a minute, but we actually got to find that out because what happens the next game? Georgia manhandles Michigan in the second playoff game, and Michigan gets – Roasted, like they're get like they're getting skewered for him. Georgia wins thirty four to eleven. It was not that close. Michigan had a late touchdown that they really celebrated, really proud of that late touchdown. <laughs> you know, Michigan was really proud of that, but this game wasn't close. Michigan scores zero in the first, three in the second, zero in the third. Georgia made every play. That defense wasn't giving up a thing. But this is my was my exact point. Michigan loses. All of a sudden, they're terrible. They didn't deserve blah 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 blah. The the same, you know. Uh, you know what I mean? Like they lost by 23 points. Cincinnati loses by 21 points, but it's a completely different view of it. Georgia looked way better than they did against Alabama in that SEC championship game. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. I had no problem seeing Michigan get humiliated in the playoff game. Again, they deserve to be there. They deserve to beat the Buckeyes. And I also don't mind seeing them getting humiliated. Like I tell everybody that up front. That's just part of like growing up in Ohio and being a high state fan. So Mo, what did you learn uh, before we get out of here from the Capital One Orange Bowl? Uh, Georgia 34, Michigan 11. I'm glad they paid the price for all that yada yada <laughs> for a month. The, the embarrassing thing that they did, because they're going to pay. I, I, and I mean this because I know how Ohio State it. They're going to pay for that month. So I hope that month was very fun because I kept saying, I said, Michigan's going to pay for it. I said, they're going to pay for it in the playoffs first. Yeah. I like like I, I had a little bit of confidence that Michigan can hang 
with Georgia, but they don't win the game. Like I never thought they were going to win. But I'm like, they could hang. They could make it interesting. They could backdoor cover something. Like Georgia kind of lets off. But I said, here's what: if Michigan does this, and they did it, I said, if Michigan does this, they have no chance. I said, Georgia's going to stop the run early. If Michigan does not stick with the run because it's been their bread and butter all year, they can't throw the ball. Like they threw it over Michigan State. And that was their best game, K. McNamara's best game, because that was the worst secondary. They can't throw the ball. And so if they stick to trying to throw the ball to win the game, they get murdered. And you saw that. They could never get the run going. They they went away from the run, tried to put it in K. McNamara's hands. He's not that guy. You know, I think J.J. McCarthy is definitely the guy going forward. Yes. Uh, McNamara is not that guy. And, and an interesting thing, I read an article. I think Harbaugh's gone. Like, I think Harbaugh leaves Michigan. And what I was reading is I know the Bears job is supposed to I was going to say, I, was, I heard Chicago. I've heard the rumors. I heard Harbaugh. That was like his dream job. You know, he played quarterback there. But they said, like, he won't leave Michigan for any job, but he'll leave it for the right job. And I think, you know, people tend to think people close to the Michigan uh, fan base and think, think that Harbaugh thinks, like, this is it. I did everything I could do here. Like, Well, he I doesn't, yeah. Playoffs, this, but we can't. This is this, about our max – it is we we won't get to a national championship. We won't beat Ohio State consistently. Like we stole one. We won the game. I needed to win to to, to you know for his legacy at, at Michigan. He won the game. He needed to win. He got him a Big Ten championship. He gets to the playoffs and realizes like Ohio State gets in here and they can hang typically year in and year out because their talent matches with yeah. with those SEC teams. Their style of play matches with those SEC teams, and that's the difference. I'll give the SEC that. That's the difference between the SEC and Big Ten. That's why Ohio State is the one Big Ten team that can hang with all those other SEC teams because they play like them. They play fast. They have the athletes everywhere. Every other Big Ten team plays in the trenches. And so for you to get dominated in the trenches by an SEC team, basically Georgia beat them at their own game. Like um, Michigan dominated Ohio State in the trenches. That's what Big Ten teams do. They play slow. They, they have the offensive linemen. They go to the draft. They got some pretty good defensive linemen. They play slow. Big boy football, Ohio State doesn't. That's why they can hang because they can athlete the athlete with anybody in the country. Yes. So now that he got beat at his own game, yeah, maybe maybe he could beat Ohio State next year. But like, is that even good enough? Is beating Ohio State now that I've been to the playoffs? That's the expectation. Can I maintain that expectation? No. Hey, that job in Chicago, I've always wanted to coach there. Like, I will, I will say, I will say this: Michigan doesn't have as you know as good a roster coming back next year first of all Hutchison got completely I won't say exposed but not a great game for him another we talk about the opt-outs this is why you opt out sometimes like not that he should have but I'm just being honest like he got bullied but the the only thing I'll say about Michigan their schedule next year is abysmal like like until, until the Ohio State game they might I guess Michigan State if we assume they're going to be good again but I could, I could, they could easily be undefeated going into high state next year when they lose that game. So, but basically, that that's what I took away is this was the Michigan game that I thought they were again deserved to be there. But Georgia, this was this this was the Georgia team that I was told existed. I still think they threw the SEC championship game, or I think they played it close to the vest, or whatever you want to call it. I'll, I'll absolutely to my dying day, say that Georgia didn't give it their all to beat Alabama because they knew they were going to make the playoffs regardless. Nobody will ever, ever, ever change my mind, especially we'll find out next week. We're going to find out next week. I want to, if Georgia's a different team next week, then, you know, I'll be proven right. So Mo, real quick before we get out of here, who wins the national championship game? Alabama. 
I'm going to go Alabama. I'm just, I'm not going to bet against Nick Saban. I know Georgia, I think Georgia plays a lot different game. Uh, I know people want to lean Georgia. I know they're the favorites going in, but I mean, if, if you're basing it off the performance of the playoffs, that is the Georgia team that we thought was head and shoulders above everybody. But we also seen Bama didn't have to open up the playbook. Mm-hmm. They played conservative, just get the job done because we know we're going to play Georgia. So I, I think I'm going to take Alabama in a close one. And I, I think it's low scoring, for a college football game, but I, I think it's like a, it could be a 28-24 type of game, and I, I think Alabama Possible. gets it. I think Bryce Young, and, and if I'm going to trust a coach that if he's lacking anywhere and he can prep, is Nick Saban. So I'm just, I'm not going to bet against Nick Saban. I'm not going to pick against Nick Saban. It, for, coaching against his former, you know, him and Bill Belichick, those are got, when they're coaching against their former assistants, you know they get the job done for the most yeah. part. He's been here. He does this. He has no hump. If Alabama loses, does no damage to Alabama. No, right? no. This is it's a square game. Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, he loses this game. People look a little like, hey, hold on, we we still can't get yep. over the hump. You lost to Bama twice. You just you lost to Bama. This will be the second time you lost to Alabama in the national championship after you looked like you could get over the hump a couple of years ago, winning in the SEC championship. So I think it could be a a. You know, Kirby Smart on the hot seat as as good as Georgia has been these past few years. There's still been some holes and some not so much love. So I'm gonna go with Alabama and Kirby yeah. Smart. I think the Kirby Smart conversation changes and the narrative changes a little bit out of Georgia. I'm leaning. I'm leaning Georgia. A one is uh, Mechie being out. I, I I take a couple points away from Alabama. It's not their fault. Um, I I think they're both teams are really good, but the. I, like I say, I I had the privilege of watching this game with a longtime defensive football coach, uh, legendary football coach, local here, and the way we watched the Georgia defense and the things he saw and the things he pointed out, I think are sustainable. I don't think Alabama can run for 300 yards on Georgia, and I think that Bryce Young, though great, it is is still like could make like could make a mistake, and I think that's all it's going to take is one mistake. This Georgia defense just looks different, and um, I just get. I get the feeling like I used to have with these Alabama teams. Like they may they may show up and Alabama scores 13 points. Like it may just one of these freak performances. I don't think that's it. I think Georgia barely wins and I think it's a fun game. And the good news is I don't have to watch Cincinnati or Michigan in this freaking game so I can just enjoy it and have fun and worry about the Ohio State uh, versus Notre Dame game to start 2022. 20, so uh, Mo Murphy from Up in Flames, Off the Ball Network. Um, you know, I know you got a show on Dash Radio every week. Uh, I'm going to try and get you back on for some more college football coverage, uh, NFL coverage we've been doing with the network. Uh, it's been a blast, man. I want to thank you for doing this uh, this morning. Uh, it was a fun college football season. We got one game left, and uh, I'm excited about it. And, um, you know, hopefully next year we're having this show and we're talking about, you know, the Buckeyes going to the national championship game. Yeah. So uh, thanks, Mo Murphy. Uh, happy New Year, everyone. Have a great day. And check out offballnetwork.com.